Hello and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer. Not just for Louisiana, but for the entire northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the July 8th uh, edition of Monday Night Football, my State of the Union address, uh, which I'm sure is not going to be listened to as much as uh, our president would have his listened to. Anyhow, we always start off with a prayer. I need one right now. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God, I pray that I have the courage to speak the truth, and uh, I pray that I not polarize our, our soccer community, but maybe I can give it some some uh, wisdom, and maybe we can have a dialogue to move forward. I pray that this show will be able to encourage that dialogue so that soccer can grow and grow in a positive fashion throughout throughout this country and throughout this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And I uh, appreciate y'all, um, uh, people who don't believe in God, you tolerating my American right to pray. And uh, it's your American right to not believe. And it, uh, we have a lot of people die for us to have that right, to be able to have the right to believe what we want to believe. And I'm very proud of, of our country for that, at least starting that trend, uh, which I think is a, is a global thing. Um and I think soccer is the best teacher of that. I really do. Because when the soccer game starts, the coach can't stop it. And really, uh, a lot of life lessons are learned in the game of soccer that can't be learned really like any other sport, okay, uh, in, in many ways. Uh, it's one thing to be an individual in a sport. It's another thing to have to rely on other people uh, to accomplish a goal, which that basically is life on earth. So, um, um I'm kind of stubborn. Um, a lot of people in my life would like to see me get out of soccer and focus on theology, but I see a strong correlation between the two, and and I'm still kicking as the head foot soccer coach. I want to say football because it is football, but head soccer coach at De La Salle and at, uh, for the boys and the girls and at Soccer Innovations of America, the director of coaching. Anyhow, this week I wanted to try out to reach out to the uh, Louisiana officials uh, um, to see which one of these uh, guys, how many of our officials in Louisiana have made it to nationals, but I can't get a reply from anybody. So if y'all know anybody in charge of refereeing in Louisiana, please let me know, because I like to give these guys recognition. Um, I don't think the referees are recognized enough, and I think that we saw pure evidence of both games Sunday uh, that refereeing does matter. How the referee decides to call a game influences the game. It is their game. And uh, in a way, that's part of the beauty of the game. Okay, um, uh, this VAR is a blessing, but in a way, it's kind of a curse, you know, uh, the fact that the human element is not kept there because we're always dealing with the human element in in uh, in our world. Okay, you can't tell me personalities don't matter. All right, uh, we can't have more. Our last two presidents are more contrasting than any two people on earth. Okay, yet uh, they still occupied the office of presidency. So your personality doesn't matter. The personality of the referee matters. Personality of the coaches matter, and the personality of the players matter. So, um, anyhow, I want to make sure that. 
our, our show is balanced and that we, we definitely reach out to the referee part of the game because without the referees, the game just won't happen. I don't think VAR can take take charge of that. It would it, It's just not possible. Too many decisions are made microsecondly by a head referee, and, uh, and, and uh, we need people with talent to do that, not machines. Okay, that's my rant for the week. Let's talk about the State of the Union um, of, uh, of, of soccer in general in the United States. Okay, I think we've got to start off with the fourth star, the women's national team. Okay, and how they got their fourth star. And uh, I think um, to say that it was a success yesterday was an understatement. Uh, the game was a success. I think, I think uh, the Dutch put up heavy resistance, and you can hear my comments about the game, which, by the way, I thank all of y'all for listening to. Um, anyhow, the Dutch put up their wall, Great Wall of Holland, if you will, put nine people behind. It was really a 4-5-1. You can stagger the numbers any way you want to, um, but it's basically a 4-5-1 what they were playing. And I don't think the United States was ready for it. The United States uh, attacked and attacked and attacked it, and were not able to crack uh, that uh, that walnut in half, especially because uh, um, uh Sarah or Sari Van Vindenhall, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, just had such a great first half uh, as goalkeeper, um, and it was going to be a lot for the United States to to uh, to be able to break through and score. I was surprised in the beginning of the second half, no changes were made. Okay, it looked like the United States was content at, at the fact that they were just knocking at the door and sooner or later that door was going to bust open. And the Dutch were fine with the fact that the United States uh, didn't didn't break through in the first half. Let's see if we could take them to overtime with this. And um, and then the controversial PK call, okay? Um, Stephanie Vanderkrat, okay, cleated the ribs of Alex Morgan. And really, when you look at it slow motion, she was going not for the ribs, but for the ball. It was a high kick situation. Uh, it was a charge situation. And she missed the ball totally and hit Alex Morgan in the ribs. And... I, I'm speaking for myself here, just like I didn't didn't I, I work with a guy who swears that he knew that Darth Vader was the father of Luke, the entire Star Wars trilogy. I had no clue when Luke said, "I am your father." I I I lost it, just like everybody else in the theater lost it. Um, most of us who are watching the game saw no penalty. There's a possibility of a penalty, but really, it was it was an incidental contact, if you ask me. And that's what French referee Stephanie Frappapart, um, if I'm pronouncing her name right, um, uh, judged, and no one questioned it. Okay. Then all of a sudden, the video assistant referee Carlos Tosiro Grande recommended a review. Now. It's easy for us to sit in a chair and watch the game on a tube. Okay, these referees are running miles a game, and your adrenaline is pumping, the pressure's on, and you have your heart beating over 100 beats a minute. You're sweaty, um, you're, you're full of emotions, and you got to make these decisions. 
this poor referee went to the went to the video monitor, and for the most part, VAR has worked, but it hasn't worked to stem the the, the the I think the spirit of the game. Within the spirit of that game, that was not a PK offense. But when you slow motioned it and put it into this unhuman existence of a video assistant refereeing, I mean, she rewarded the United States with a penalty kick. Okay, well, uh, by the letter of the law, yeah, I agree with the decision. So uh, Megan Rapinoe uh, stepped up to the spot. You notice how she miraculously recovered from her hamstring injury. Okay, uh, 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 we kind of mentioned about that on Ed Daniels Sports Zone that uh, he kind of gave credit to Jan Ellis that it was a that it was a hamstring injury. I kind of think it was a message to the U.S. team and to the rest of the world that they can win with anybody on the field. And I think it really did give the U.S. team a lot of confidence, but we're better with her on the field. She is a better player, okay, um, um, than anybody else on our team. Uh, Alex Morgan, I would say, included. All right? So she was uh, – anyhow, Rapinoe was uh, rewarded with the with – the, penalty kick and she stepped up to the spot knowing that her tendency was to kick left. Uh Vindenhall, if I'm pronouncing her name right, um went with that scouting report and went to Rapinoe's left and Megan went to the right and the rest is history. The ball easily went into the goal. She didn't even drill it to the bottom of the net. She just drilled it slightly to the right and and you could just see Vindenhall's uh, expression on her face that man, she shouldn't have trusted a scouting report. She should have read the body language of Rapinoe, but it's too little too late. And so the U.S. had a one nothing lead, and then the Dutch had to loosen up their attack, uh, which led to the United States now being able to play their game. And uh, eight minutes later, uh, Rose Lavelle wrote her name in U.S. soccer history in the 69th minute. But to be able to take that space, and instead of passing the ball, she was able to dribble and split the Dutch defense. And then um, she broke the Tangerine Dream's heart with a magnificent uh, side shot, uh, which she it was the only way you're going to score in Vendenhall besides a PK. Um and so we have a 2 nothing lead. And with a 2 nothing lead, that's a dangerous lead. I am one of the coaches that believes whoever scores the third goal uh, is going to win the game. I'm sure that Coach Jan Ellis from the United States uh, understands that mentality, that 2-0 is a fragile lead. She... She did what I think uh, she should have done. The United States is better than anybody at closing down a game. If you want to learn as a coach how to close a game down, watch any woman's national team game uh, at the end. And they, they're famous for putting the ball in the corner, throwing the ball, taking as much time as possible, taking goal kicks as long as possible. Okay, just uh, doing little little things, uh, putting putting their body in front of the ball, dribbling it to the outside instead of towards the goal. Although Although, in the second half, you could see Carly Lloyd wanted to get that goal, and uh, she couldn't pass up the temptation to shoot. But um, but uh, Jan Ellis dropped two of her, the outside forwards, behind the ball, essentially doing to the Dutch what they had done to them for 70 minutes, having nine field players plus U.S. standout goalie Alyssa Nair uh, to defend the goal. Um, and the time ran out. Okay, the U.S. won their fourth star, and the U.S. celebrated. 
Uh, and what's remarkable about that is everybody thought that the uh, you know the the world was coming to an end when we suffered our biggest appointment a few years earlier in the quarterfinals of the 2016 Olympics, uh, being ousted by Sweden, and it caused Jean Ellis to actually do a deconstruct and a reconstruct of the U.S. Women's National Team. And my my kudos to the U.S. Soccer Federation for keeping her on instead of firing her like they did Klinsman earlier. And uh, I think now, uh, here's my commentary of the state of soccer, okay? Um, it is going to be easy for the average American uh, to think that all is well. We have the fourth star, okay? Uh, nobody's got more stars than us. Nobody's won a back-to-back since Italy's uh, Vittorio Pozio as a coach did in the 1930s. Jan Ellis is the second coach to go down for doing that. Okay, and so it looks like everything is everything is up and up. But uh, I, I disagree, y'all. If you've been following the show, uh, I'm gonna stick to my my party line. I see no evidence of of uh, of of me having to change my point of view. My point of view is that Europe has caught up. They're catching up. Major clubs are fielding women's teams, and we saw in this World Cup, France, Spain. England and Holland pushed the United States to its limits, and they are not the European stalwarts, okay? Uh, Germany and Norway are, okay? Those are your powerhouses. Now, Norway failed to play their best player this year, which is going to have lifelong consequences, I think, uh, in Norway because they felt like, I think a lot of them felt like this was their World Cup to win, especially in Europe. Um, But anyway... Uh, the world is caught up, okay? That Holland team is young, and they're coming off a European championship, and they're coming back, okay? And they've gone through the bitterness of this loss, and so do those other uh, European squads. And then you still have Germany, which was uh, upset and not not uh, into the finals. So now we have more players to deal with, players as in countries, and um, and I think the possibility that we will see the majority of our women go into playing Europe's leagues, very, very high, all right? Because the National Women's Soccer League won't have the coaching clubs like Chelsea, Bayern Munich, and Barcelona have, okay? Now, my prediction is that the U.S. Women's National Team will always be a world power, but the days of being uh, heads and tails above the rest of the world are, are gone, Okay, Um, the good side of all this is that instead of uh, tuning in to a sure win for the U.S., which was my experience almost my entire life uh, when looking at U.S. women's soccer or looking at women's soccer, uh, you'd either expect the U.S. to win or if they didn't win, it's because they did something to lose the game. Um, You know, the, the worst enemy of the United States traditionally has been the United States. Okay. Um. Now, uh, the games were undecided until late in the second half, this World Cup. The result were, was exciting games that no one can accurately predict beforehand. And I think it's quite good for the sport. And it, and I think that uh, it added to the excitement of the U.S. fans, okay, to the game. You saw the reactions of all our fans around the country. Instead of faking it like, yeah, we're the best, we're the best, we didn't think we'd win. Now it's like, okay, well... Uh, They pushed us to the limits, and it made the sport more exciting. Really, really and truly, it is is quite refreshing for the sport to know that another team can beat uh, the teams that are playing there, and nobody can fully predict it. 
Okay, the players in Europe now are much more developed, and the result really was an, a high quality, a tactically executed soccer, along with very intense play. It's a different game than the men's game, but you could tell that these girls are giving everything that they could. Their bodies were, uh, uh, I mean, they were tackling, uh, clawing, and scratching uh, uh, as much as any men's game you could ever watch. And, uh, and fighting to the finish. And that's a very entertaining soccer. And I think that's going to build, especially after this World Cup. I think the world has probably gained a ton of new fans for women's soccer. And they're going to show up, especially to European club games in the future. Okay? So... Uh, uh, women's soccer was the big winner yesterday. Now, before I sign off for the break, I do have one bone to pick with the U.S. women's national team. Okay, I, I just have a problem with a team being as arrogant uh, um, after scoring goals and arrogant after winning as we are. Now, it's one thing to celebrate a goal. It's another thing to flaunt. And, and uh, yeah, a lot of you disagree with me with that, okay? Uh, we're American, and we should be as brash as possible. And and I don't know. I, I do know. I am an American. I challenge anybody to question my citizenship. I'm proud to be an American. I don't think we need to flaunt it in people's faces that we have the best Army, Navy, Air Force. I think we should be proud of our Army, Navy, and Air Force and the rest of our armed services. We should be proud of our women's soccer team. We should be proud proud of our economics and everything like this, but I don't think we should do it at the cost of, of being a braggadocio, you know? Um, these women who won yesterday, uh, they benefited from years of struggle, especially women in the 70s, to, to bring Title IX to the forefront. And really, the logical outcome of Title IX was our success in the early stages of the Women's World Cup. I don't think there even is a Women's World Cup without Title IX. Um, and and the women who started Title IX uh, should be congratulated for that. And and really, uh, I d you you guys who are my age, people who are fifty or older, can you imagine the type of crowd? I think there was over thirty thousand in the stadium yesterday to watch a non-French team play. Uh, two non-French teams play. Uh, um, I mean that that was that was something we would not have imagined in the 1970s. Okay, uh, but in the 1990s we were filling the Rose Bowl with the U.S. Uh, and there, who can forget Brandy Chastain's uh, PK win um, in that World Cup? So I think it was 1991. So women's sports have come a long way. The United States has always been the leader in that. And I don't think we're going to drop off and be a follower to anybody. But we are we are now going to have to deal with the fact, just like the men always have to do, uh, the men from Spain, for example, that they're not just going to walk on the field and beat Germany. Okay, Brazil had to win, had to uh, learn that bitter result in, in the World Cup in Brazil when Germany walked in and, and did what they did to them, uh, which was, again, just unbelievable, okay? Um, anyway, that's my spiel on the state of women's soccer. I wish we were less arrogant and uh, more gracious uh, and, and more encouraging for other nations to develop, develop soccer, and we could be the ambassador for that, okay? Uh, uh, I think we could be the ambassador of that by our own behavior, all right? Walking with swagger and expecting to win. Um, it's a good attitude to have to take the field and just know that you can win the game and expect to win the game, but to brag about it afterwards, uh, I think, is is quite 
brash. I don't know. Tell me what you want. Uh, there are comments you can leave on Crescent City Sports or you or on our Monday Night Football page or on Twitter. You could direct message me and tell me what you think about the women's national team and everything I just told you about it. But for now, we're going to take a break and we come back. I'm going to put my finger on the pulse of U.S. men's soccer and uh, tell you what I think about the state of it. Uh, after we pay some bills here with Monday Night Football, we're the voice of youth soccer in, in the Gulf Coast, especially in South Louisiana. And we'll see you right after the break. You can advertise your business for as little as $50. Contact us to see our rates and get your business in front of the Gulf Coast soccer community. Follow us on Twitter at MNFUTBOL, as well as Facebook, or call us at 504-577-3131. 504-577-3131. 